because we've got an awesome speaker this morning. I think last time this person spoke, I'm pretty sure that I introduced them as well because I feel like I said it was my favourite son-in-law. And Is that right? Yes, I had that feeling. Well, guess what? It is. It's my favourite son-in-law. <laughs> Let, let's give a really warm welcome to Brendan as he comes this morning. On. Oh, here we go. Who's, who's excited to be in the house of God this morning? Very good. Well, before we start, let's pray together. Why don't we have every eye closed, every heart open. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come in this place. I speak to every heart here this morning, God, and I pray that it would be opened. I pray that it would be open to see your glory, to hear your word. And to be transformed so that we could be transformed from the inside out. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are ministering to people here this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, if, uh, <coughs> if you're not up to speed, this year we're preaching on the Ten Commandments. And we're doing one commandment per month. And we're doing them in reverse order. So we started with... Do not covet, and then we moved on to do not lie. Then we moved on to, was it steal first? Then do not steal, then do not commit adultery, and now we're on to do not murder. This is the big M. And we've had two weeks of uh, preaching about how murder impacts our society and how murder can affect us as individuals and now we're changing tact slightly and we're coming to the headline of this topic which is manage your anger and I was uh, I was angry on Friday morning we woke up to the news that uh, somebody had used a, a ground-to-air missile to shoot down a passenger jet in the Ukraine and uh, it had killed 298 innocent people. Uh, 36, I think, believe, I believe now, uh, Australians. I mean, that is incredible. The world that we live in, that something like that can happen. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me angry. And so, I would just like to take a moment this morning to just pray together for the families and the friends of, of the deceased on that flight. Heavenly Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would go out to the families and to the friends of every person who was on that flight. We pray that you would bring peace, that you would bring stillness to their souls, God. And we pray, Father, that there would be a swift and peaceful and just resolution to the conflict in the Ukraine, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, this is not what God wants for us. This is not God's intention for our society. And we see that so clearly and so plainly when he says, guys, do not murder. It's so simple, isn't it? It's so clearly not his plan 
for us and for our society. And the reason for that is that God values human life. He values every one of our lives. And so He calls upon us to value human life also. But to not do evil is not enough. Because we've all not done evil and things like this still happen. And so evil will carry on. We must fight for good. We must actually contribute to good, to something positive in the world. You see, this is us fighting for good to prevail and we must fight it with faith, with hope and with love, not with hatred and anger. And so, you know, to bring things down to scale to what we're actually able to do, some of us are in positions where we may be able to influence the situation in the Ukraine. Many of us aren't. But what we do have is the mandate to actually make a difference in the world that we live in, to take goodness, to take love into the world that we live in. And I believe that the focus that we've been talking about so much this year of evangelism and discipleship, they are the tools with which we can bring goodness into our world. We can reach out to people and raise people up so that as we do that, we are actually bringing more goodness and invading the world with goodness. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. I'm getting excited already. You know, sibling rivalry was the cause for the first ever murder. Hands up if you've got a brother or a sister. Right. So you know a little bit of how these characters feel. Genesis 4, verse 3 to 8, it's the story of Cain and Abel. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Picture yourself, you've done a great painting in school, and you bring it home and you say, Mum, Dad, I've made this painting, I would love for you to put it on the fridge. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. It doesn't give us a clear reason why not. Both crops and uh, animals are acceptable as offerings, as we later see in the Old Testament, because God calls people to bring different types of offerings for different kinds of sin, etc. And so the actual offering is acceptable. But what we can assume is that God doesn't accept the attitude behind the offering. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. So Cain is the older of the two. And he's the landowner. Abel's a bit of a wanderer. He's just a shepherd. And so you can, f- you can imagine that Cain would be full of uh, a sense of pride. And so if his gift is rejected and Abel's is accepted, we can start to understand why he would be so angry. And yet the Lord says, why are you so angry? He asks Cain. Why do you look so dejected? God knows everything. So I'm assuming he knows the answer to that question. The reason he's asking is to get Cain to confront his own feelings. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. 
And so now he's giving Cain the opportunity for repentance, to turn around. But if you refuse to do what is right, <coughs> watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Has anybody ever wanted to kill their brother or sister? <laughs> I mean, you're living with people who are quite different to you in many ways. They're often different age brackets, unless they're your twin. And you live together so much that, that you really get on each other's nerves. And so Cain is envious. The anger brews inside him. God warns him, encourages him to res- repent, and instead Cain's anger leads to murder. I want to speak to some siblings in the house this morning and say, I understand that often we feel like there is a competition between us and our brothers and sisters, just like Cain and Abel. But I would like to put to you this morning that each one of us who have siblings, or even each one of us who don't, we're part of a family unit. And so when you work to attack your sibling, you are breaking down the family unit, and you are a part of that family unit. This actually applies to marriages as well, or friendships in a community. You see, the Bible says, when I leave my mother and father and I join and become one with Kirsty, we are one unit. It specifically mentions Kirsty Matthews becoming Kirsty Skinner. <laughs> when we join together, we become one unit. So if I attack Kirsty, I'm actually destroying myself at the same time. When you bring your brothers and sisters down, you are bringing the family down and in turn bringing yourself down. Jesus broadens the scope. We get to the New Testament and he's teaching about this commandment, goes beyond action and addresses the attitude. Matthew 5, 21 to 22. Can I just grab that bottle of water, please? It says, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you are subject to judgment, if you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So it starts to get a bit more serious here, doesn't it? Because very few of us, if any, have actually committed murder. And yet Jesus broadens the scope and says, Hey, if you curse someone then you're in the dangers of the fire of hell. My goodness, this just got real. And so to curse, the way that it's translated, the Aramaic word for, is, is the Aramaic word for contempt, is raka, R-A-C-A. The modern equivalent would be something like, I wish you'd never been born, or do me a favor and just drop dead. And so Jesus is identifying that before you come to the action of murder, the attitude of anger and hatred take hold in your heart. And so you and I might be sitting here this morning and saying, well, I've never murdered anybody. But what we do have to deal with is the fact that we can make the decision as to whether or not we let anger and hatred take hold in our heart. Think about the moment when you're really angry with someone and you think, I could just 
just hit that person. There's a very thin line between the, the violence of feeling and violence of action. And so it's not just enough to say, well, I didn't hit them, so, you know, no biggie. It's actually about addressing the fact that, well, but if you had that feeling, then that's worth addressing. Grudges, resentment, prejudice, racism, bitterness, and hatred all harm life. They harm the lives around you, and they harm your own life. When a wife was asked about her husband, she said, Oh, he's so temperamental. He's 50% temper and 50% mental. (laughs) Married couples would argue and say, I hate you. I never loved you. I don't even know why we got married in the first place. See, often the people that we get angry at the most are those that we are closest to. Part one of my message is I want to go through four common expressions of anger. Because many of us express anger in different ways. And one of those four ways is what I call, and what J. John calls, the maniac. This is the person who, when they get angry, they just blow up. They explode. They spill all of their anger out onto you. They yell. They throw things. They rage. They blame others. They attack the person instead of attacking the problem. Temper is one thing you cannot get rid of by losing. Proverbs 29 verse 11. I'm going to read this three times from three different translations because it is so good. From the Amplified Version, it says this. A self-confident fool utters all his anger, but a wise man holds it back and stills it. The message version says, A fool lets it all hang out. A sage quietly mulls it over. And the NIV version says, Fools give full vent to their rage. I love that picture. It's like they've got this stream on the inside of them. And they just say, I'm going to open the gates as wide as they can possibly open. Fools give full vent to their anger. But the wise bring calm in the end. J. John says, Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. We need to be a little more flexible. You know, the good thing about the maniac is that you know where they stand. The problem is they're difficult to be around. The second kind of person, the second expression of anger, is the mute. They don't blow up. They hold everything inside. They conceal how they feel. They stoically put on a good front and pretend to feel no anger at all. And then they express surprise uh, that anyone would assume that they might be angry. What? What do you mean? Me? Me? Angry? What gave you that impression? (laughs) People who operate with repressed anger hold the anger in and they swallow the pain. But when we bury our anger, we bury it alive. 
And so usually it's our bodies that feel the effect of repressed anger. We can get ulcers, we can get increased blood pressure or depression or other symptoms that keep score for us as to how much anger we've got bottled up on the inside. The Roman philosopher Seneca in the world 50, in the year 50 AD wrote, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. The third expression for anger is the martyr. You see, the martyr never gets angry at anyone else because everything is always their own fault. They act like guilt magnets, always blaming themselves for what has happened. They throw a pity party and invite only themselves. Everything is their fault. The fourth type of anger is the manipulator. It's the resentful wife who is angry with her husband and so she burns his breakfast deliberately. (laughs) They retaliate in an underhanded way. It's about sarcasm and little insults, hurtful humor. They get their feelings hurt, but they never seem to get over it. And so the way they let it out is by taking, exacting their manipulative revenge on the people that caused them the hurt in the first place. And so the question I would ask you this morning is, which one are you? Or are you a blend? Are you like a cocktail of anger? (laughs) You've, You've got some bits and pieces. You're like a maniac, you blow up, and then if you don't get your way, then you just blame yourself, or you go silent. Or then you manipulate. Part two of my message this morning is how do we get over our anger? I could have spent the whole morning just telling you about the four, but then you would have gone home and thought, man, I'm so angry all the time. I'm such a bad manipulator. They just had no idea of how you're supposed to get over it. We've got five steps for you this morning. I'm going to say the step and then I'd like you to repeat it with me so that we can lock it in to your brains. If you have notepaper and pen, this is great stuff to write down because you can come back to this and keep using it. Number one, I need to admit my anger. I need to admit my anger. You see, the issue is not how do we get rid of our anger completely and make sure that we never get angry. Instead, it's how do I react when I, when I do get angry? You see, because not all anger is actually wrong. The word anger in the Bible appears 455 times. 375 of those cases refer to God's anger. Jesus himself went into the temple and threw tables over because he was angry that they turned his father's house into a marketplace. And so there is such a thing as righteous anger. There's two things that really get my blood boiling. One of them is when young people especially just throw away their potential. You can see somebody and they've got great potential and yet they just refuse to actually outwork any of it and they throw it all away. The second thing is when you see neglectful parenting. That 
makes my blood boil because I feel like the child has this potential and yet it's somebody else who's inflicting that um, upon them, which means that they may not be able to then br uh, bring to fruition that full potential. And I don't think that I'm being sinful in being angry about those things because I feel like God would be angry about those things as well. The problem is, how do we react to that anger? How do we deal with that anger? How do we let it out? Because once we're angry, we must make sure that we do not sin. You see, you can be angry, but not sin. And so first principle is, I need to admit my anger. Sometimes I get angry in ways that are not righteous as well. Those two things are things that are like righteous things, but there's also other times. I won't go into those. <laughs> Principle number two, I need to deal with anger immediately. I need to deal with anger immediately. You can't shake hands when your fists are clenched. Don't hold on to your anger. Don't let it turn into a grudge. A wife was asked, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? No, she said, I usually let him sleep. <laughs> the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So we need to deal with it. Matthew 18, 21 to 22 says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied the sigh of relief but 70 times 7 70 times 7 what is 70 times 7 490 I'm told so we've got some accountants what's 70 times 7 can you cross check that that's a lot of times to forgive now I think sometimes we're called to forgive that many times because the person keeps doing it and we have to keep forgiving them. Other times, they've done it once. We decide to forgive them once. Once we've forgiven them, the anger comes back when we think about it. We need to forgive again. Then maybe later, you can think about it and recognize really how bad that action was. And the anger can bubble up on the inside of you. Again, you need to forgive. 470 times 490 times don't don't be going to 470 and thinking i've finished <laughs> in fact perhaps just stop counting and keep doing it anyway you see we have to re-forgive ephesians 4 says therefore each of you must put on must uh, sorry each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body, and in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Ah, speaking truthfully, don't let the sun go down. So should I confront them? I'm angry, and I can't let the sun go down with my anger. And it says speak truthfully. Maybe I should just confront them about it. Maybe I should just go say something straight away. Well, maybe, but you can do that once you've let go of your anger. 
So you can let go of your anger before you go and confront them and speak truthfully. Romans 12 verse 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. The second principle is, I need to deal with anger immediately. The third is, I need to understand anger. I need to understand anger. Anger is usually covering up a hurt. And underneath that hurt, if you look under the hurt, you'll normally find an expectation that, is, that hasn't been met. If you look underneath the expectation, you'll normally find a need. Hurt, expectation, need. H-E-N. Underneath anger, you'll normally find a hen. So we need to understand our own anger. Think about what are my needs that are not being met and what expectations are they leading to that aren't being met and now what is my hurt that's really causing me to be angry. We need to ask ourselves, why am I angry? What is really going on here? What is the deeper issue? Number three, I need to understand anger. Number four, I need to stop and think before I speak. I need to stop and think before I speak. Speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. If you keep your mouth shut, you can't put your foot in it. When you see red, it's time to stop. The Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, sometimes when someone makes me really angry or, 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 or they've really disappointed me, I get very creative. I, um, in my mind, especially when I'm driving or trying to go to sleep, I, I can come up with these beautifully phrased sentences that I'm sure would stab right to the heart of the issue and of the person. And I mull over them, you know, whilst I'm driving and I think of all the clever ways I could write them, a very strongly worded letter. And, uh, and, and sometimes I actually compose the letter. They feel great to write. I don't know if you've ever tried that. If you can get all your thoughts down on paper, it's very satisfying. And you look at it and you think, that's really going to do some business with that person. <laughs> so then I get, the, I get the letter and I write it out and it's very strongly worded and, and you know, it's got all the good stuff in there. And then I read it and I think, good, well, that's done. And then I delete it. Because the best thing to do then is to get all your thoughts out once you've been really creative and then, and then write a new letter. Write a letter that's actually, you're writing from your heart that, uh, <coughs> or an email, you know, not archaic. <laughs> write a new one once you've let go of all of your emotion and your anger. You see, the problem with anger is that it really gives us what we actually want. It usually gives us the exact opposite. If you're one of those maniac types and you start smashing 
plates and glasses and yelling and screaming and letting everything pour out over everyone else. It's rare that someone would say, oh, I love it when you do that. I love it when you smash things in the kitchen and yell at me. Can we put a date in the diary and, and we'll, do a, we'll schedule another one? No, it's the exact opposite. In fact, I think the people that do that actually look the fool. They think that they're exercising, or, uh, exercising authority in the moment, and yet people are often looking at them thinking, you look foolish. It's you that's the fool in this situation. Number four, I need to stop and think before I speak. Number five, I need to ask God to fill me with His Holy Spirit. I need to ask God to fill me with His Holy Spirit. You see, when God's Spirit comes into our lives and is allowed to work in our lives, it produces fruit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anger's not in there. In fact, the opposite of anger is in there. Self-control, peace, patience, kindness. Most of them (laughs) are the opposite to anger. And so when the pressure is on us and we get squeezed, whatever is inside us will come out. I need some volunteers because props are always fun in a message. Who can volunteer for me? I'll use Barry and Mike. You hold that, okay? And, and you hold this. Okay, so I have some toothpaste. Does anyone recognize the brand? What, what does the brand say? Tell me. Colgate, right. Okay, so it's a fairly reputable brand. We'll open up the toothpaste. It's brand new. Okay, so, so Barry, would you just squeeze that for me onto the Glad Wrap? Right. Now have a look and have a smell and stuff. What, what is it? It's toothpaste. <laughs> right, so on the outside it says it's toothpaste. And then when he squeezes it, what comes out is what's inside. Okay, thank you. Now I'm going to do what a lot of Christians do when they feel like they read the fruits of the Spirit. And they think, oh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm not many of those things. I know what I'll do. I'll make it look like I've got those things. I'll change the packaging, right? And we just, so I'm going to write gold on there, okay? So now there's gold paste inside. That's worth a lot more than toothpaste. It's gold paste. And you read that and you think, oh, someone's used an old toothpaste bottle and they've put new, greater, better, more expensive things in here. Gold paste. Mike, would you squeeze that for me and tell me what comes out? (laughs) (laughs) It's toothpaste. It doesn't matter how much you do to the packaging, when you're squeezed, what's on the inside will come out. You see, the world squeezes us. And when we put under pressure, what's on the inside of us will come out. And so God's mission 
is to transform us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. He says, let me come into your heart and change your heart so that when you're squeezed, good, good things, the fruit of the Spirit, will come out. And so when it comes to anger, if we're under pressure and crap comes out, we need to say, God, I will want your Holy Spirit inside me. Produce your fruit on the inside of me so that when I'm squeezed, good things come out. We're done. <laughs> Number five, I need to ask God to fill me with His Holy Spirit. My question for you this morning is, have you committed murder in your heart? With your words? With your anger? The good thing is, God forgives even those who murder, if they're repentant. Moses killed a man. David killed a man to cover up his adultery. And Paul killed many people who were Christians before he himself became a Christian. All three of them are ex-murderers that God used to write a whole chunk of the Bible. And so we see that God forgives even those who murder as long as they are repentant. And so I would ask you this morning, do you have outbursts of anger like a maniac? Do you bottle your anger up like a mute? Do you blame yourself for everything like a martyr? Or do you take revenge on people who have angered you like a manipulator? I would love to pray for you this morning. Why don't we all stand? <coughs> and would you close your eyes? Everybody close their eyes. If you're here this morning and you would like God's help with your anger, if you would like God's Spirit to fill you and produce the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you so that when you're squeezed, it's good things that come out, I want you to just lift up your hands to heaven, ready to receive His Holy Spirit. Spirit, we open our hearts to this morning. We pray that you would fill our hearts with peace and with stillness. We pray that as we fight to remain connected to the vine, fruit in us. Holy Spirit, we're just going to take a moment to allow you to fill us from head to toe. 
And we pray, Father, that you would help us to remember to do this always. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us now. Thank you, God, that you transform us from the inside out. We pray, Father, that you would help us to remember and to recognize when we get angry that there is a better way. Father, we pray that you would help us to admit our anger, to deal with our anger quickly, to understand that anger stop and think before we speak and to welcome your Holy Spirit in the inside of us to produce its fruit its fruit thank you Lord thank you Father Before we finish, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Or maybe you've done it some time ago, before in the past, and and you feel like you've fallen away from that and you've taken your life in a different direction. Maybe this morning you want to come back and have Him fill you again. You know, when Jesus died on the cross for us and he rose again, he gave us access to three things. Forgiveness from the past, a new life today, and a hope for the future. And if you're here this morning and you want to make that decision, that's what I pray for you. That's what I want for you. It is such a wonderful life to live with Jesus. And so... I want to give you the opportunity here this morning. If you want to say, Brendan, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want him as my Lord and Savior. I want to pray a prayer to ask him into my heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. But can I just have everyone close their eyes and bow their heads? So no one's looking, at, so no one's looking around. If that's you here this morning, I would love to pray with you to ask Jesus to come into your heart. So if you're here this morning, and you wanted to do that, would you just lift up your hand and say, Brendan, that's me, and I'll see the hand, and I'll say you can put it down. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Is there anyone else here this morning, either for the first time or to recommit? You want to say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want to follow you.
fantastic. You can open your eyes. Why don't we stand together and pray together? Why don't you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I ask that you come into my life. Fill me with the fruits of the Spirit. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day forward, I acknowledge Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I reject my old ways and I follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray.